Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Today, we're talking to Brittany Hennessy, and if you don't know her, you absolutely should. She's the former head of influencer marketing at Hearst Digital Media, where she regularly inks deals between influencers and a few publications you may have heard of, Cosmopolitan, Seventeen, Elle, Harper's Bazaar, Marie Claire, and Esquire. She's also a published author of Influencer, Building Your Personal Brand in the Age of Social Media, the definitive guidebook to all things social media influencer. I'm so proud of you for publishing this book, by the way. Um, And she is the co-founder also of Carbon, an influencer-only network connecting content creators to Instagrammable hotels. Welcome, Brittany. Thank you. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. Ever? Ever. Wow. I really like that. I'm going I'm to, can I just steal that and like you, put it in my bio and be like, absolutely. Dash Jesse Grossman. Consider it stolen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to have fun today, just kind of chit chatting about yeah. the industry. I love that you're always so honest and real and candid. And so I, you're, you're shaking your head because you're like, yeah, I don't know any <laughs> other way to be. Um, and I just think that you have a lot to offer the people who are listening today. So thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. So clearly you've established yourself based on your intro, right? As an expert in the influencer marketing space, and you've been in it for a while. Um, So I know a bit about your journey here, but tell everybody listening how you ended up where you are today. Sure. So I, like a lot of people my age, wanted to be Oprah. And so you have to figure out an actual path to becoming Oprah because Mm -hmm. there's only one Oprah. So I majored in journalism at Rutgers University, and I wanted to write print features And I graduated at a time when print was on the decline, and so I couldn't get a job. I tried to get a job in digital, but I didn't have any digital experience. And so I went and worked at a talent agency because they were the only people who would have me. (laughs) And I did on-camera commercial bookings there, which was fun because I always like looking at people's careers and watching them take off. And to this day, I can name almost everybody in a TV commercial. (laughs) And I did that for a while and then decided that I wanted to do something more vigorous. So I went to law school, which lasted a whole year because I hated it. (laughs) But I met my husband there, so that was nice. That's a plus. Yeah, that's a plus. A huge, huge matchmaking fee is how (laughs) I like to think of it. But while I was at the talent agency, I started a blog to keep my writing skills fresh. And I was still getting invited to lots of the parties that I was getting invited to from working and interning in PR. And one day my blog went viral, which is super cool because it doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. And what year are we talking? This is 2007. Ooh, OG. Oh, yeah. Yeah. More than 10 years ago, which now I feel really 
<laughs> experience, yeah, ex- experience, seasoned, seasoned. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so I had written an article about a cocktail lounge, and New York Magazine picked it up. And then I like had a popular blog, and one day, a company that was working on behalf of Nivea asked me to fly to Germany as the North American ambassador and hang out on a cruise ship for three days with Rihanna. And all they wanted me to do was tweet about it. And I was like, wait, this is a thing? This is real life? I'm just going to hang out with Rihanna and tweet. And so that was so crazy. And when I came back, I was like, oh, no, social media is like a thing that people are spending money on. So I was consulting any of my friends whose brands weren't on social media or their jobs, working on that. And then I got a call from a – well, I actually went, found a job at Lusso Roberts, did all their social media Worked up to brand director, and then I got a phone call from a friend who was an alcohol publicist when I had a blog, and she invited me to come work at Horizon Media and start their influencer team, which was crazy because it was the first of its kind, and we didn't really have any idea what we were doing. We were winging it all day, and then I did that for two years, and then I went to Hearst to run their influencer team, which was also crazy because I was the first person to have that job there, and so... Lots of, and I actually got my Hearst job with from a friend who I met on the Nivea trip in Germany. It's all connected. So all all connected and then, you know, used my knowledge to pitch this book, which got me signed by Abrams, which is that talent agency I was talking about in the beginning. It and is so all seriously connected. I have connected. had, like, <laughs> a very nice full circle career so far. But I think that's what happens when you prioritize networking. That's why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that we also have that in common. You know, I have a, we both have industry networking groups. Um, So, you know, when it comes to yours, talk to me a little bit about that based on your personal experience, seeing the value of networking. Like, what would you tell other people in this industry of how to do it effectively? I think really just always offering value. I think a big part of networking is people tend to see what can I get out of this. It's not about you. I've always been a fan of not even really joining networks until you feel like you have something to offer, even if that thing to offer is you're just here to learn and help. But I think that's the common misconception is people go to events, they go to, you know, conferences, cocktail parties, all these things, and it's always, okay, who can help me, 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 me? And it's really like, who can you help? Because then people will return the favor. And then that's when you see the most gains, when somebody wants to help you, not when they feel obliged to. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that makes so much sense. And that's really good advice. And it's it's really like the flip, like the reverse way of thinking about it. But it's probably the most effective way of thinking about it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, definitely. So... When it comes to influencer campaigns, how many influencer campaigns did you cast in your time at Hearst, at Horizon? Like, how many campaigns are we talking about here? Too many. Too many. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) I would say say I'm probably – I've got to be in the hundreds by now because I did a – I did really a lot at Horizon. So Horizon and Hearst were very different because at Horizon we did a lot of influencer marketing at scale because Mm -hmm. we didn't have platforms. 
And so everything there was the content lived on the influencer site, and we were hiring them to create content and direct them. And then we turned that content into media buzz. And at Hearst, it's a little different because there is some of that, but for the most part, we are shooting influencers, and that content lives on our channels. And so I think that's that's the difference, but that doesn't change the number. But I would say I probably cast more fashion and beauty than anything else because that's really the bread and butter at Hearst. And so talk to me about your taste within influencers. You know, fashion and beauty, <laughs> is that the types of influencers that you personally like to follow? Like who you can talk about maybe who you follow, but if not, you know, what types of influencers do you like? You know, it's funny because I don't particularly follow influencers because I enjoy following influencers, which is strange. So on my my Mrs. Brittany Hennessy account, I was just using that for a long time as like a portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so I just followed people who I had worked with. I don't really do I don't really do Instagram. Now I do since I have been on the book tour and feel like people care about what I'm doing. But I've always been one of those people like, nobody cares what you do all day. Nobody cares what I'm eating for breakfast. Like, nobody cares. And so really on Instagram, my son has an Instagram account that's private. And I would say that's the one I'm most active on because I follow all the mommy blogs and all the memes. And those things I love. I could sit on Instagram all day and look at, like, weird gifs of, like, people's children. But (laughs) just in terms of, like, in this space, Mm -hmm. it's more for work, I would say, than for pleasure. But I think my work life and my personal life are so intertwined at this point that it's just, it's all the same. But I like, you know, I think I'm less about content and more about personal connections with influencers I like influencers that are nice Mm -hmm. and if you're not nice like I'm not gonna follow you I may like lurk on your page but Mm -hmm. I'm not giving you the follower because you're mean absolutely (laughs) no I can relate to that I feel like if you're in this industry it's such a 24-7 industry also yeah that like I have I'm toggling between Instagram accounts because who pops up on one is very different than who pops up on another so I don't know how you manage Two, you have like three accounts. You have like yours. You have Bold I've got Street. more because some of them are hidden. Oh my, see, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. It's too much. But it's but it's well, yes, it is. But I think that that's my point, right? It's like my personal account are people who I really actually genuinely enjoy right. following versus like you know it's your job. It's our job. You know yeah. we have to follow these people. We have to be in the know. Um, so yeah. We get paid to be nosy. We get paid to be nosy. (laughs) But it's interesting though, you talk about, you know, eh, maybe like Instagram, I got into it when the book launched, right? But are there, are you more of a Facebooker? I am a Facebooker. Yeah. All day, every day. I think because also I like to write. So I like Facebook and I love, even though I try to stay away from them because they won't delete a certain someone's account, even though he completely violates the terms of service. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to stay away from Twitter, but <laughs> I love Twitter. I love Twitter. You know, I Instagram is cool because it's very visual, but, like, up until, like, a year ago, I could barely take a photo. Like, my thumb was always in the way. It was, like, bad lighting. <laughs> so that was never really, like, the platform I gravitated to because I couldn't participate. Mm-hmm. But Facebook... I will write six pages on something, and Twitter, I will get on a hashtag and fight with people. I did enough fighting in 2016 to last me, like, a lifetime on Twitter. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I like I like words. So I like Facebook, I like Twitter, 
and I like LinkedIn. And then Instagram is, is fun, but I think Instagram is more candy, and the other ones are more vegetables, mm. at least for me. I love that. Yeah. And so when it comes to your recommendations to brands, I feel like there's a constant educational piece that people yes. in our positions have to have to uh, give to yeah. brands, to, you know, all the people that we're working with on that side, right? So do you find yourself saying, I'm a real-life case study. I'm on Facebook, guys. Like, I'm on Twitter. Like, maybe we should incorporate more programs onto those platforms versus always doing Instagram or YouTube. Or do you think that they're just so set in their ways and the trends are the trends and Instagram and YouTube are absolutely king? I think I think Instagram and YouTube, they're like, you know, Pepsi and Coca-Cola. Sure, there are other drinks, but, like, that's that's what we're drinking. Mm-hmm. So, and I think people are used to it. That's where people's habits are. And plenty of influencers can't write. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. you know, I loved that article. I think Refinery29 did an article, or maybe it was a horse brand. I don't even know. But somebody did an article that was like, here are, your, here are the ghost writers for your favorite influencers. And I thought that was so funny because... They can't write. And so I think plenty of, you know, influencer marketing was a great avenue for, and you didn't have to be traditionally slash classically pretty, but people who were good looking, people who had nice style, very visual, lots of style, didn't really need too much substance. And I think to run a campaign on like a Facebook or a Twitter or something else, you're going to need more intelligent people who can create you know, text content. And I don't think that's where we're at. I think that train has left the station. We are team, are you pretty? You know, the younger you are, the more acceptable it is that you just post like pizza emojis in your captions (laughs) and you don't even write anything. So I think, you know, it's super visual. People are very visual. And I think you go where... You go where your audience is. And Twitter is cool, and I've done some Twitter campaigns, usually around, like, live events. And Facebook is fun if you're going to throw, like, a ton of money behind it. But just in terms of, like, is this going to get likes and comments? Or do I need the influencer to use the product? The Instagram and YouTube, I think. I think that's pretty much where we're at, at yeah. least for the next few years, as far as we can see. Yeah. For all we know, there'll be something new and, like, a year and we have to adjust but for right now it looks like that's it yeah absolutely um there you know so talking about your book um you know one person that you reference in there was like a jessamine stanley for example mm-hmm. right who is a writer and she yeah. has a book and she'll write a caption that is person like a sailor and that <laughs> reads kind of like a blog post or like an editorial article yeah. um and so you know when you have influencers who are posting beautiful photos and an emoji <laughs> and you have another influencer who's posting a beautiful photo but there's substance there right you know are there are those different trajectories for those influencers or can they swim in the same pond i think if you're talking about longevity the more talents you have the more stable your career will be And Jessamine, you know, she's a content creator, but she's also an expert in her lane. So 
she's not just out here doing yoga poses because yoga is fun. It's like, no, she understands yoga and she teaches yoga and she's smart and she she likes to joke that she doesn't really have her shit together, but I would beg to differ because <laughs> she looks pretty together to me. And so, you know, I think she had, she was on a mission to help people. And I think really there are, you know, plenty of influencers, even like in Alyssa Basio, who's in the book, and she's very young and her audience is very young and her stuff is very, you know, inspirational and talking about, you know, making sure like you are taking in life and experiencing it. And it's not, you know, the deepest thing in the world, but I think influencers who set out to change something or have an effect or inspire people will do much better than influencers who just want to make money. Because every influencer will tell you, unless you hit gold right away, you will do it for a long time before you see any money, and even longer before you can quit any sort of job and make it your full-time thing. So you have to be doing it for the right reasons, or you will burn out before you can go full-time. You won't be happy once you are full-time, and nobody will think you're worthy of a long-term investment because you don't look like you can run a marathon in influencer marketing, which I think is how you can determine who actually will have a long career because you've got to be able to do something else. Like how long, how many Instagram photos can you really post? How many photos can you take in front of a stoop? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, in front of this stoop, this wall with wings, you know, how many coffees. So like Jessamine is a great example. She wrote a book. She's on a yoga tour. She's a spokesperson for body positivity. She's got all sorts of things going on. And that's, you need all of those pieces if you're going to be successful. Or you might be very successful for a short amount of time, but then what are you going to do? Like, go back to the corporate world? I don't think so. so Not you have after to have working a, for yourself. Yeah, you got to have a long, long-term plan. Yeah. And so when did you notice, like, at what point that there was a white space for a book like this? And who would you say, as the author, that this book was intended for? So I think I noticed there was space for the book when I kept wanting to give it to influencers who were making huge mistakes. And there was <laughs> nothing to give them. It's like, I'm just going to give you, like, how do you not know you can't do this? I'm just going to give you a book. And then there was no book, which I thought was interesting, but not so much surprising because there are only a few people who could even write that kind of book. Because influencers write books a lot, but it's more about this is what worked for me which could be completely different than works than what works for somebody else. And so since I've been casting across age groups and gender and verticals and doing the business side, I think there was room for someone who had my perspective to add to it. And, you know, my my husband really pushed me to write the book because I if nothing else, I'm a huge procrastinator. <laughs> I will wait until 11.59 to do something that's due at 12. So he really was like, you should write this book. You said you were going to write this book. How come you haven't written the proposal yet? When are you going to write your book? And so he really pushed me to do it. But it's for, you know, the target demo is is not really for someone who's like, I think I could be an influencer. Let me give it a shot. It's more for people who are like, I'm on to something here how do I turn this into something bigger? And I think part of the criticism 
that the book got from people who, like, obviously did not read the title or the subtitle <laughs> was, <laughs> you know, how come this book doesn't teach you how to get followers? And getting followers is you being unique and having a story and a viewpoint and being able to tell a story in a way that people actually want to hear what you have to say. And I can't teach you how to do that. Either you can do it or you can't. Everybody is not cut out to be an influencer because some people are just boring. And that's okay. It's really okay. There's a place for boring people in this world. It's just not as an influencer. Yeah, it's just not, yeah, not, not on the I need followers train. And so it really was for girls who I started noticing that like every girl has, every girl who was trying has 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers. And there were so many more of them than I thought. Like, it's unbelievable. I I did a Her Conference thing and everybody in the room had 5,000 followers. And I was like, Jesus, that's a lot. So these are all people who are like, I've got something here. How do I get more followers or brands are approaching me? How do I respond? Or I want to contact brands. What do I do? It's more on the, okay, you can do this. Now, what do you do as opposed to? Can you do this? Because if you're asking the question, the answer is probably no, (laughs) because you probably should already be trying to do it. So it's for creators. And then it's also for like, you know, your mom who doesn't understand what you do or like people who are like, why would anybody pay someone to post something on Instagram? You're like, Merry Christmas, mom. Here's my gift to you. (laughs) you. (laughs) Please read this. This is a real job, I swear. And so I think anybody who wants to know how this is a career or is determined to make it their career, that's who the book is for. Because there are still, even in 2018, a lot of people who are not believers in influencer marketing. And I don't know what those people are waiting for because... Obvious at this point, it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be so proud of you when your book is like a textbook for a class. Oh, I know. <laughs> That'll be exciting. I'm gonna be excited, obviously, when that degree exists, and then yeah. I'm gonna be so proud of you when they're like, "All right, class, turn to page five of Brittany Hennessy's book." I know that would be nice for like legacy purposes and for royalty purposes. <laughs> It can teach you that, like, a, a 101 where, like, the class has 400 kids in it. Absolutely. You're like, every semester, I'm going to do a different edition. <laughs> that's right. New, new edition. Yep. Can we use the earlier edition? I mean, you can, but, like, the page numbers don't match. <laughs> Jeez. And marketing, man, it's, it's changing quick. So, you know, we're on edition, you know, 153. <laughs> so 52 was last semester. That's I don't know. right. So speaking of, you know, parts of the book, you know, what is your favorite chapter? Having written it, and I'm sure, how long did it take you to write this book, actually? I'm curious. So it actually took 14 days. 14 days? <laughs> 14, yeah. It took it took 14 days. So I had, I burned through my vacation. And so I had six months to write the book. But like I said. A little bit of book I'm procrastinator. I'm a procrastinator. Wow, you weren't kidding. And so <laughs> I took off from work like three days, two days, three days, two days. Like over two months. And banged it out in those days. Because otherwise I didn't have time. Like I have a job. I have side projects. I have a toddler. And so... I, yeah, I wrote it in 14 actual working days. The book was 
done. But I think it's one of those things, you know, writing it was difficult because you you don't know what everybody else doesn't know. So, so many things are like, well, duh, you have to do this. And it's like, this is not a well duh. Like, it, it feels like that to me because I've been doing this for so long. But for some people, even the most basic things I said, like, it's okay to use hashtags. People's minds were blown. Like, what? I could, I got to use hashtags to get discovered? And I'm like... What do you mean? You didn't know this? And so I think once I started writing it from a, like, you are going to explain how to be an influencer to a kindergartner. Go. <laughs> then you can really just figure out, like, what are you even going to say? Because you have to say everything. But I really like the part about, I like the chapter on money, I think is my favorite Easily because me too. Women, think go oh, good. I'm yeah. glad you Oh, liked it. absolutely. Like women don't negotiate well, and especially women of color don't negotiate well, which is crazy. And you know, I think that's what really pushed me to write the book. Is when you're working for a corporation, I'm on team corporate, so I'm concerned about our bottom line. And if you're worth $5,000 and you're willing to take $500, I am not going to fight you on it. I will just pocket that $4,500 and add it to my spreadsheet and be like, look at all this money I saved. <laughs> and so, but for, for someone who has a lot of mentees and is a feminist and believes in pay equality and all of those important things, it was killing me when girls would say, oh, I'll do it for this, because they're just so happy to be there. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're worth so much more. Like, you have no idea. So but let's I can't get, tell but, them that. But let's get specific, though. This. What are numbers that sure. you so I had undervalue booked, themselves as? I had booked an influencer, and I won't say what she did, because that might give it away, but she mm. had a very specific skill set. That the more specific your skill set, the more you can charge, because who am I going to replace you with? It's not a, a beauty tutorial. Like, only, like... You know, a handful of people can do what she did. And I had $10,000 to book her for a campaign. It was a 10-hour shoot, and then she was going to post an Instagram post. And she had a sizable number of followers. And she wrote back to me and told me, I'll do it for $2,500. And I just was like, what? Twenty five? Are you are you sure? Like, are you, are you sure? Like, she really was worth $10,000. And that's, you know, that's... That's, she got to do, like, five more campaigns to make the same kind of money, which is, like, is she crazy? And then I had another one for a prom campaign, like, in the very beginning of my Horizon days. And I had a bunch of influencers who all had, like, 400,000 YouTube subscribers and, like, the same number on Instagram. And they're all charging for, like, they're all charging, like, $20,000 to, like, do this video and all these posts. And then I had another influencer who I'm actually friends with now, so I've, I've guided her in the right direction. But she said she was going to do the whole ask for like $1,500. I just was like, other people are making $25,000. You have more followers than they do. And you're going to do this for $1,500? Like, I just, I could not... I almost cried. It and was so, so what do you painful. what do you equate that to? Is it that there's just a lack of knowledge of what others are making? Is it a lack of confidence? Is it like what in that instance? Like what is what do you think that was all about? I think a lot of it is people think that if they give you a number that's too high, you will rescind the offer. 
and I so don't it's fear. There's a lot of there's definitely a lot of fear. So there's a, a general level of I don't know how much I'm worth because I don't have anyone to ask. Which is why when influencers are very secretive about how much they make, I understand that you don't want to put your your business on display, but you're doing a disservice to the community that's supporting you because other women don't know what other women don't know. And so, you know, that's why even at work, knowing what everybody else makes is so important because that's how women were finding out. What, Jim in accounting who has the same job as me is making twice as much money, but you don't know that unless you know how much Jim is making. And so, you know, I think it's it makes sense that people want to keep their finances private, but it's it's not the best solution for the group. And so I think women don't know how much they should be charging because they don't have a barometer. For the longest time, there were no even sort of standards. It was this person's getting five grand, this person's getting 500. It's all the same, but it's completely different. And so I tried to give ranges in the book of like, this is where you might be able to get a little more than this if you have special skills or really great you know, talent. People might give you a little less if you're like not the best influencer. But I try to give people some sort of framework to work in. And then, yeah, fear. Because people think that if they give a number that's too high, you won't book them. But that only happens in two instances. One, if you just don't have that kind of money. But that doesn't mean I'll just throw you to the side. I'll tell you, well, I don't have that kind of money. This is what I have. Do you want it or not? And then you can make the decision. Because I don't think influencers understand. By the time you get an offer, the number of people who have had to sign off on you it's a long list. Like, how many people are we talking? I for mean, a company like Hearst, for example. For a company like Hearst, it's like, I pick people who I like, and then it goes to the brand editor, who has to make sure they're on brand. Then it probably goes to the agency, who has to make sure, like, based on their working knowledge of the client, that this works. Then it has to go to the client, and the client has to say, okay, we love her, she's our number one. So by the time it comes to you, like, the client already thinks you're going to do it, and my job is to lock you down. And so if I have to give you more money and I have more money, I will give you more money. I'm not just going to be like, oh, God, never mind. I don't want you. No, because I don't want to have to go back to the client and tell her I couldn't secure her number one. That's like my whole job is to get the client who they want. And so people are afraid. And lots of times people are making up numbers. And so there's no, they don't have any security in the number that they're giving out because they made it up. Like, oh, I'll do this for $5,000. Why? <laughs> what? What's worth $5,000? If you have a good reason, because you have really high engagement, your content quality is great. One of the examples I use in the book is like, for fashion, we shoot stuff so far ahead of time. Like, you might be shooting a winter story in July. So you've got to go to the hotel and be like, hi, can I pay to turn this fireplace on because <laughs> it's summertime? And I know it's a trillion degrees in here, but like, I got to put on this, you know, wool coat and pose. And so those sorts of things, it makes sense. Like, we produce content all the time, so we get that you need money to produce. But you've got to be able to back it up. And I think people don't think about how much time and effort goes into something or how much a post is worth, and they just fling out numbers. And that I don't have time for that. I'm not going to give you, like, an imaginary number just because you asked for it. You have to have a reason. But I love, but I love that because I think that's so equated to confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like 
at any job, if you're going to go in and ask for a raise, right? Like you have to go in and say, I deserve a raise because I've been doing X, Y, Z. This is my plan to make you more money. That's right. And so how would this be any different, right? To justify what your ask is. Yeah. I think, you know, that's most influencers' biggest problem is until they treat it like a job instead of a hobby, they can't make those gains. Because a hobby... For a hobby, you were doing it for free. So, like, money. You're like, yeah, I can buy new shoes with this. But, like, if this is your job, and if your husband's, like, your photographer, and this is also his job, and, like, this is how you pay for your kid's daycare, like, you got to come to play. You have to put on your big girl pants and pretend like you're in corporate America. Because at the end of the day, the people you are dealing with are in corporate America. You work for yourself, but, like, I work for a brand. Everybody I have to approve you to works for a brand. The people who cut checks, they work for brands. And so you are your own entity, but you're still in the corporate machine. And so you have to remember that, and you have to act accordingly, or you will be hungry. (laughs) Absolutely. This is just a topic that I'm so personally passionate about, and I think that it's, uh, it's an amazing thing that, this industry is so female dominated. Yeah. But the realities are exactly what you've you've experienced, you know? And so, you know, I actually think that um, women are negotiating things every day. It's yes. just not about money per se. So yeah. they're negotiating time. They're mm-hmm. negotiating what their kids are going to eat for dinner. Like, yep. who's going to be walking the dog? Mm-hmm. I actually think women absolutely have the skills to negotiate. It just takes practice and confidence. Um, But I also, realistically, like I recognize that it can be really tough in the beginning because they don't know what rates to charge like we were talking about. And Mm -hmm. it can be especially uncomfortable for some people, you know, just to talk about money in general. And like if you don't have a manager, an agent doing it on your behalf, like you're direct, you're you're close to it. You're really close to Mm -hmm. it, you know. Um, So for those influencers who either like aren't big enough to have a manager or have just chosen not to work with a manager, Mm -hmm. how can a woman advocate for herself and be firm in her worth about without alienating potential clients or coming across as a like fill in the blank be anything (laughs) right I think you know it comes down to the the basic rule of you can ask for anything as long as you ask for it the right way and I think that's what happens when influencers get very entitled or they think that, like, showing off in this I'm-so-important way makes them more attractive, which neither of those things are true. Like, you don't get to be entitled because one of the things I said is, you know, we got rid of the Internet tomorrow. Would anybody know who you are? If the answer is no, you need to relax. So, (laughs) you know, at the end of the day, like, you may have 500,000 followers, but, like, there are 7 billion people in the world. Plenty of people have no idea who you are. I just think it's... that's okay. I just think it's really good to have that perspective. Yeah, like you, I like to tell people, you are not Kim Kardashian. Even sometimes Kim Kardashian can't get away with acting like that. People will call her to the carpet, and she's got way more followers (laughs) than you do. So you have to, you have to just be nice. And, you know, I've had plenty of influencers say, you know, I really want to do this, but, like, this is lower than I normally charge. So, like, 
do you have more money? Can we trade something else? Can you give me like an editorial feature? Can you, you know, the payment terms say it's like net 60. Can we do net 45? Because then I'd be okay with taking less money or you're flying me out. Can you also fly my husband out? Then we can go on like a trip and a flight costs me $700. Like that's better than having to give you an extra $5,000. And so you have to figure out what are you trying to achieve? And then that will help you figure out what to negotiate and then what to walk away from. And I have a friend who he is a manager and we were talking about, you know, money. And he said the greatest thing. He said, everything you do should either build your brand or build your bank. And I loved that. Sometimes you get, and I was on a panel with uh, the head of PR from Coty and she was saying, I'm flying girls to Paris for the week to, like, do, like, some huge perfume campaign. And they, like, don't want to go because I'm not going to give them all this money. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm flying you to Paris for a week to do a luxury (laughs) campaign. Like, there are costs associated. You know, there are costs there. And so that's something, though, but it will put you on for, like, luxury campaigns. So that builds your brand. Or, you know, maybe it's, like, Walmart like no offense to Walmart because Walmart is a great place to get deals but plenty of people are like if it's Walmart they gotta give me a lot of money because it's not going to catapult me to like superstardom to do like a shampoo ad and for Walmart so Walmart spends a lot of money in (laughs) that space because they know if you're not sexy you gotta be rich it's the same thing with like you know guys dating are you cute? Are you nice? <laughs> no? Then you better have money. You better have some money, have, man. You're going to have problems. Then we can talk. Then we can yeah, talk. It's, the, it's, it's the same. I think, you know, influencer, working as an influencer is very similar to dating. And I think lots of women are also bad at that. And so <laughs> it, it makes sense. But, you know, you have, to, you have to know your worth. You have to have goals before you start anything so you can see if you're off track or if this is you know, a pathway to achieve your goal. And if it's not, it's okay to walk away. Influencers have told me, no, this isn't really on brand for me. I'm trying to go more this direction. This is going to keep me in the old direction. Or no, I'm really busy and the exclusivity for this is too high for the amount of money. Or no, I want to, but I'm not available that day. And I'm not like, oh, I hate this influencer. I'm never booking her again. I'm just like, oh, okay, well, you know, I really like you, so hopefully we can do something later. But if you're good, no one's going to throw you to the side because the campaign didn't work. That only happens if you're nasty because there are plenty of nasty influencers who I will never work with them again. And I don't care how good your content is or how many followers you have or your engagement. You're a nightmare or your agent is a nightmare. And then that's another way where... I'm not working with you because I don't want to deal with your representation. So, <laughs> you know, those are those are things. It's it's more about personality, I think, than anything else. And people forget, like, we're in the people business. Like, it's, this is all it is. The number of followers you have, people. The brand signing your checks, people. Like, it's just people, people, people. And so you can ask for whatever you want as long as you ask for it. Nicely. I just think that's so important, everything you just said, for, you know, influencers to hear because they don't know that. I feel like if I were an influencer and I were trying to advocate for myself, I would be like, oh, my God, like, 
I don't want to waste her time. Like, if I'm asking <laughs> right. her for all these other things or trying to negotiate, like, she's a busy woman. Like, but, like, you're busy, too. Sure. Like, absolutely. You have to remember, like, I'm hiring you because I think you're a worthy business partner. So you have to also bring that to the table. It's like when you're going on a date. Sure, he might be super cute and nice and smart and funny, but, like, you're also super cute and nice and funny. That's why he's sitting across from you. And so I think, you know, people tend to forget that, like, you're bringing something to the table. That's why you're at the table. So don't act like you don't deserve to be there or don't know how you got there. I mean, if all of a sudden you're sitting across from Oprah and you have done nothing to deserve to sit across from Oprah, fine. Be bewildered. Because <laughs> I think even I at this point, if there was like, Oprah wants to see you, I'd be like, for what? Me? <laughs> I mean, I'd go because it's Oprah. But I think in general, people have to remember, like, you are doing something that has value. That's why people are talking to you. And I think influencers, who are mostly women, because I don't really see this problem when I book male influencers. I'm going to say that. I don't think I've ever seen an instance of a male influencer not going for the gold. Um, women just need to remember that like, you have something of value to offer. That's why I emailed you. So don't forget that once we start negotiations. Don't be entitled. But don't like back into like a little, you know, a little shell and be like, oh, can I, can I just have, you know, like uh, the shampoo, like the bottle wasn't right. Could you just send, like, just say, hey, you want me to take great pictures? The bottle arrived and it's broken. You have to send another one. <laughs> like we're doing business. You're one email of like the hundreds I get every day. I'm not going to be like, how dare she? I'm just going to get you what you need and move on. Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah. you're in it together, you know, yeah. like everyone's trying to have a partnership be successful. And so it's open communication. And I think that, you know, what you're saying before is so true, right? Like you might think you're unworthy, but if Oprah's inviting you to the table, like Oprah invited you. That's right. You. That's right. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Even like, there's so many influencers. It's a lot of work to even get discovered. So the fact that somebody even knew who you were, you're already ahead of the game because I could have called anybody, but I called you. And so that alone should give people some framework to start negotiations. Like you could have picked anybody, but you picked me. Now let's do this. So on the complete flip side of that, um, people who are a little overconfident. Oh my God. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm sure you've never experienced that before. Never. I mean, I wrote whole sections of it. That's why I loved... Don't be that girl because it really kept me from writing a negative Nancy book, but it allowed me to put a few people anonymously on blast. And I think, you know, sometimes people, the numbers get to them that I have a million followers. Like nobody cares. You and so many other people have a million followers. Like relax. And so, you know, you have to, you have to stay grounded because the end of the day, this is the internet. We are making advertisements. We are not saving lives. Some people may have platforms where they can enrich people's lives and they can make a difference. And like a Jackie Ina, and she's doing all this thing and like, you know, changing the conversation around makeup for women of color. Like, sure, all of those things are noble pursuits. But at the end of the day, we work in marketing. 
marketing. <laughs> Nobody's going to die because you didn't get this deck on time. Nobody's going to die because his Instagram post didn't go live it's one not time. That deep. It's really not. I think, you know, it's a business and it's worth a lot of money. So we all have to conduct ourselves in a professional sense. But like, none of you are doing open heart surgery. Like, you're not sick. If, if, if I'm dying, I'm not like, please bring me this influencer. I'm just going <laughs> to save my life. Mom, make a like, wish. I know. Like, no. <laughs> no. And so, you know, crazy stuff like asking to fly first class and you're not famous. Like, no. If you fly so much, you should have points upgrade yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, there are plenty absolutely. of people who are like, can you put me in this thing and I, I have to fly business, so I'm just going to upgrade myself. And I'm like, yes, you do that. And, you know, the influencer who, like, asked for an allowance so she could get juice. I can't. I'm like, I'm paying you, like, $50,000, and you don't have money to get orange juice? I don't have time for this. Like, you, you've got to go. Never booking you again. So it's interesting, right? <laughs> so it's interesting. It's because, you know, there – I think that what you said is applicable to all of those scenarios, which is it depends how you ask it. Yeah. And your tone. Yeah. And if you're professional. Yeah. Because professional isn't saying, you know, I need a, a an allowance for my juice. Like, <laughs> that's not professional at yeah. all. That would what would be professional is, you know, who else is going to be on set so I can send them a gift basket and thank them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, even, even you know travel accommodations. I had an influencer who we she was shooting a TV show. And we only had, like, a tight window where we could shoot her. So we literally flew her overnight. She shot, and we flew her back overnight. And so the only time she was going to sleep in two days was on the plane. And she was so nice. She's like, you know, I normally wouldn't ask for this. She's like, but I don't want to be tired when I show up, and I don't want to be tired when I go back to work because that's not good for anybody. So if you guys could just please fly my business in a seat that could recline so I can sleep... And it made so much sense. She was so nice about it. And she's right. Like, she's going to be flying. She was flying from, like, L.A. to New York and then back to L.A. in the same, practically in the same day. Like, yes, I will fly you business and I will put you on an airline where the seat goes all the way back. Sure. You ask nicely. It makes sense. It's a good request, and it's for everybody's benefit. And so she had otherwise no business flying <laughs> business class because she didn't have that many followers. And she was on a TV show, but, like, it hadn't come out yet. So, like, she wasn't famous yet. But she was nice, and it was a decent request. And so we're always happy to accommodate. If you're not – if the talent is not happy when they show up, it's a bad shoot for everybody. So we will do whatever we can. Or, you know, lots of influencers spend a lot of money and don't make a lot of money or checks haven't cleared or your contract says net 45 has been like net 120 and somebody still hasn't paid you. So I understand that sometimes like, no, I may look rich, but like I actually have no money right now. Like I'm broke. (laughs) And plenty of influencers are broke. They have all this like money in the air that at some point will make its way to their bank accounts, but they don't actually have any money. And so I've had influencers say, you know, I'm coming, I'm flying in the night before, I'm flying in the night after, and, like, it's a little embarrassing, but, like, I don't have any money, so do you think you guys could cover X, Y, and Z? And then I'll just tell them and say, yeah, that's fine. You, We cap breakfast, lunch, and dinner at these numbers, and I'll change your incidentals with the hotel so you can just charge your food to the room. Like, we're here to accommodate you. We want you to be happy, but, like, you have to have a good reason. 
don't be a B-I-T-C-H about it because then I don't want to help you at all. Because then it's an automatic no. (laughs) Yeah, no. I don't care what you're asking for. You want a card from the airport? No. You can have nothing. (laughs) Don't even finish your sentences. No. (laughs) Nothing. It's no. It's no. No, no. (laughs) So question for you because I've seen this trend a lot. Um, So while securing branded content opportunities are definitely the first milestone for an influencer, right? I feel like mm-hmm. they're like, oh my God, I got my first paid gig. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is really, though, to establish these long-term partnerships right. that feel authentic mm-hmm. as well. I hear these buzzwords. Yes. Authentic and organic. Authentic, long-term, organic. organic <laughs> to like all day, every day, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if I had a dime for every time I heard an influencer say that, I would be... Ooh, would not even rich. be doing this. Podcast. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I would be in a fancy, fancy place, being like, "I'm on vacation." Um, so, are you seeing more people on the brand side taking this approach as the industry matures with less one-off deals? And like, what are you recommending? And like, are they taking those recommendations? I'm assuming that you're recommending long-term partnerships, but yeah, I don't know. I think. People don't listen. (laughs) You know, with with anything, you know, people always think they know best, even though they're hiring other people to help them figure something out because they don't know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's every industry. That's anyone who has clients. The client will talk you in circles until it's exactly what it started out as. And you're like, but I thought we were changing it. What, What happened here? And so, you know, I think it always depends on KPIs. People are looking for long-term partnerships because they need, like, a poster child for something. And, you know, they want super crazy usage and they want to put them in the store and put it on the side of a bus. And I saw an influencer on the side of a garbage can in Grand Central. And I was like, I hope they paid her for that usage. Um, a garbage but- <laughs> can. A gar- really? A garbage a can? A trash can. Oh. Trash can. But she looked great. She looked great. She made that trash she can looked, look amazing. She looked great, but they were not <laughs> playing when they said any medium. Wow. Now or <laughs> no. future develop. They were not kidding. And the garbage cans count. Um, and, you know, they're, they're looking for replacements for that celebrity endorsement, especially if you're looking at the Gen Z audience. Like, they don't know who these famous people are. They're not going to the movies. They're like, Jennifer Lawrence, who is that? They don't even really know who that is. They don't even know, like, Kylie and Kendall from, like, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They know them from Instagram and Snapchat, which is so weird because no, they're from a TV show and they're from a famous – they have a famous stepfather and a famous father and, like fa- – but, like, other people don't think that. They're like, no, I follow her on Instagram and, like, she's really cool. You're like, wait, what? So they're looking for people to replace those celebrities. So that's where the long-term partnerships come in. And then people who can constantly, you know, push a product and not have to worry about you're pushing everybody's lipstick or everybody's spring sale or something like that. So there's room for that. And we recommend it, but only when it makes sense and only when the brand is going to spend the money necessary to do it. Because lots of times brands think, well, she's going to be the face of such and such. Like, that's payment enough. And it's like, she cannot send that to her landlord. For her rent. Oh my like, God, I always say I cannot pay my rent in shoes. I always yeah. say that. It's so true. It's like, right? It's like, oh, here's here's a billboard for me. I feel like that should cover <laughs> six months. Your landlord doesn't want that. And so it's like, you can do it if you're going to pay them. But I also think, you know, lots of times what you want is 
scale and buzz and you want to hire 50 influencers to talk about you know the Nordstrom semi-annual sale where they hire like every influencer and their mom it does not matter if you have one follower. I'm or surprised like they haven't approached you. Six Has Nordstrom asked you to work with them? Both? I mean, they should. I have a Nordstrom <laughs> card. I spent a lot of money there. I'm like a VIP. So, Nordstrom, call me. They're, um, they're going to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes you just need volume. And then it's just, it's one-offs. Or you are pushing different demographics. So, you're trying to get the AA community. You're trying to get Latinas. You're trying to get people who live in the South, you have a new store opening here, so you want this region. So there's room for both. And every influencer can't be, you know, an ambassador because you just can't. But the goal is to really figure out what do you talk about organically and how can they pay you? Because if I could get Uniqlo, Uniqlo people, anybody <laughs> works in marketing at Uniqlo and you're listening to this podcast... Everything I wear is from Uniqlo, like, literally down to my underwear. Like, it's the only store I shop in. I love that. So, like, I'm like, pick me. I always see them picking people, and I'm like, that girl doesn't wear Uniqlo. I follow her. I know your whole store. And so the goal really is to find something that you would do for free and then get them to pay for it and sponsor your lifestyle because then it's not a forced integration. You know, some people are brand ambassadors for hair dryers, and it's like... I've been following you for years, and you are queen of the air dry. Like, fine. I see the check. (laughs) I see that you've got bills to pay, so we're going to let this blow dryer deal slide. But there is someone who's been blow drying her hair since she was five, and, like, that would have been a better person. And it's so beneficial for everybody, for all parties involved, when it's longer term, because exactly what you're saying, right? Like, uh, followers have been following you forever, and they know that you have this beautiful way of air drying your hair, right? Like, they're going to be like, "Mm, I'm going to call bullshit on this, because I know, like, I know, especially YouTubers, oh, my God, I feel like people, like, subscribers on YouTubers, they know everything. Everything. Oh yeah. my god! They are in your business, and they will call you out on, in those yeah. comments. Too. I love More, YouTube. I love the candidness <laughs> of YouTube. They, yeah. They're just. I mean, without hesitation, they're gonna be like in all caps. Like I know that, and I'm gonna provide <laughs> examples. And what are you thinking? And then the YouTuber will have to write a, a you know, or have another video apologizing. A response video. It's hardcore, and I love it though. But like. The point, I guess, that I'm trying to make is I just feel like the long-term partnerships are so genuinely beneficial for everybody, the influencer, but the brand, too. Because I'm just thinking from a business perspective, right? You put a lot of time and energy and resources into finding those specific people, right? Yeah, every single time. And you have already time that you've worked with them, right? Right. Maybe there's like, we're going to try this out for like one poll, see how it goes. Okay, great. They produce great content. Mm -hmm. They were uh, timely. They were professional. And it performed. Why would you want to go through that whole process all over again? Yeah. I mean, you're seeing brands do it. Like, L'Oreal has, like, the L'Oreal League. Like, Alme has, like, their Alme class of 2018. And I think part of what's so great about long-term partnerships is if you identify an influencer with great potential when she's small... You can lock her in for, like, no dollars. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> and, then, totally. and then... And I shouldn't be saying that, but yes, it's true. <laughs> but yes, it's true. <laughs> and no dollars does not mean you did not know your worth. It just means yes. 
you know, relative to somebody much larger. But as a brand with all that money and all that visibility, you can turn an influencer into a super influencer. Mm -hmm. So if you pick somebody who's like just coming on the scene, maybe she's got like 50,000 followers and you partner with her for a year and you pump money into her, she could have 500,000 followers and she could be a big deal and you don't necessarily have to pay her more for a post when she has 500,000 followers yep. because you saw her potential. And yeah. so I and think... And she'll remember that. Yes, and she will remember that. And I think Benefit Cosmetics, I think, is one of the brands that does that the best. They find people and then they are just stuck to them. Those are their people and they are just riding that wave of them. And it's smart. It's smart. And I think brands are doing it, I think... Part of what makes our jobs difficult from, like, the talent perspective and wanting what's best for the creator is you have a lot of platforms who will not make money if the industry is efficient. And so we are really in, I say that a lot, like, every new trend is driven by some platform. When they're like, micro-influencers, it's like, what is a micro-influencer? Oh, my God, it changes all the time. A micro, yeah, I saw something that was like a micro-influencer, someone who has 50 to 250, I was like, 250,000? 250 is a micro? I was like, you have a quarter of a million followers. You are not a micro-influencer. No, no, no. And so I think, you know, but then when, like, micro-influencers were all the rage and it was like, do these programs at scale, it's like, now you need a platform to manage all of those things. So, like, let's take all your money so that you can organize something into a glorified Excel spreadsheet, you know? And then it's like, (laughs) ooh, analytics. Like, do you know who your audience is reaching? Analytics are important, of course, but, like, to the point where you need to pay $100,000 a year for, like, some database when now... The influencer can see her own analytics. She should just give them to you. So lots of things are... I think there's something like 600 influencer platforms or something at there's this There's like point. a new one every single every, week. Every single week. And they're, most of them are the same. Then they're all like, AI, machine learning. And you're like, oh my God, this is the people business. I need to look at her eyebrows. I need to look at her smile. Like, I don't need your AI right now. Relax. <laughs> you know, and then everything's like, programmatic this. And it's like... We're casting agents, and we're agents, and we're developing people who are storytellers. And, like, a computer cannot do that. An algorithm cannot do that. And I understand that you have, like, a sales team of 50, and, like, you need to make money so you can pay all these people. But, like, they need to relax with, like, their trends. The newest one is, like, the resurgence of everybody's got fake followers. And it's like, okay, first of all, relax. Not everybody has fake followers. Follower count is not the only thing that's important. Plenty of girls have, like, millions of followers. Some of them are fake. But, like, you recognize their face, and that's why I'm paying her, because I could put her face on a garbage can, and people will say, oh, I know who that is. That's a pretty garbage can. Yeah, and now you've got, like, some sort of engagement and brand recall and all of that, and, like, 50% of her followers could be fake, but if she's doing what I need her to do, it's a different, we're playing a different game. And so celebrities, I'm sure plenty of celebrities have fake followers. It doesn't stop them from getting deals because you're paying them for facial recognition. But, of course, fake follower, everyone's freaking out. And now here are all these platforms selling you how do he, for $100,000, will do this. And it's like, dude, it's not even that serious. And so I think that's a huge problem we have, this industry, is that, Platforms are running amok and charging an insane amount of money and making up problems so that they can make up solutions. And everybody needs to just chill out 
half these brands have all these platforms and like don't even have their KPIs together. It's like you don't know if you want clicks or views, and yet you've got this huge bill that you're paying these people. It's like take that money. You could hire two influencer people to sit in your office and actually get analytics, actually research people who are in brand. Like a computer is never going to replace like the actual eye that we have for figuring out who's talented and can be someone so you decide to manage them or who can really make content sing and so they should be in this program. Because those are things that come with experience. Those are things that come with just no, you know, knowledge of this influencer just got married, this influencer just had a baby, this one's trying to go more luxe. Those are all things that, like, we know, and a computer does not know. At some point, the computers will replace us all, but I think in our business, we've got more time than other people. So I happen to agree with you, and I think that it might be because we come from more traditional backgrounds in media, maybe. I don't know. But I feel like people want for computers to do all of these things. Like, I think they want for computers to help provide the the ROI and the credibility and the, yeah. you know, it could be a volume business and they want more and more and more and more and more yeah. and bigger and bigger and more at scale. So I don't know where that's going, but it's two completely different mindsets. Yes, they're not. It's not the same. And I think if you really looked at the numbers... I don't think all that tech has the best ROI. It might have some, and it might make your life easier, but lots of times it's just there's a person using the tech. So nobody's evolved to where they don't have an influencer person, and it's just like a random person using the tech. No, because we're not, we're not even close to being there. And the industry changes too quickly and just wildly. So you can't, you need people. You need people who are good at their jobs. And I think if what we did was so easy, everybody would do it. For sure. I think that what always strikes me, too, is the idea of transparency. And what bothers me, mm. if I can go off on a little bit of a tangent, um, you know, about some of these platforms is you ask them, where are they getting this information from? How are they coming <laughs> to that conclusion? And when they don't give me a straight answer... Yep. I can't, we can't discuss it any further. Yeah, everything is proprietary information. It's like, oh, by proprietary, you mean you scraped Instagram for this data, and that's where it came from. Because I can just call an influencer and say, hi, can you screen shoot your analytics page and send it to me? Thanks. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need that. And so, you know, I love capitalism, and people need to make money, and the fact that people are willing to spend an insane amount of money on advertising is why we have the jobs we have. But at the same time, like, don't sell me snake oil and tell me that it's, you know, gold water. It's not. You know, your platform really isn't different than everything else on the market. I might just like you better as a salesperson. And so I pick your platform over this person. Absolutely. Or I like your colors better. <laughs> like, you know. It's aesthetically pleasing <laughs> when I turn on my computer yeah. really early in the morning. Yeah. You're like, oh, I can make this purple? Okay. I like <laughs> I like this this platform. And so, you know, for the most part... Everybody, it's not like there's all this infinite data. Like, everybody's working from the same data set, whatever Instagram will let you have. Mm -hmm. And so, unless you've come up with something, like, so revolutionary, or you're first, then you're revolutionary just because you're the first person to do something, all these people are the same. And most of them are not any good. I said that platforms are made by the same three people. Salespeople who are like, if I sell this, people will buy it, so let's do that. 
engineers who are like, I can build a solution for that. It's just this data point to this data point. And like business people who like smell opportunity. The people who make these platforms never, ever, 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 ever come from the influencer agency or influencer world. So I'm like, have you ever done a campaign? Because you would know that like this piece comes way before this piece, even though you've got it 30 screens later. So I need you to rejigger this whole platform. And send me a new deck because this is not even how it works. And so, you know, it's just it's just crazy because sometimes I'll demo stuff and I'm like, there's nothing intuitive about this. You have no idea what you're doing and you did not consult anyone but people who don't know any better or brands with like a huge tech budget just buy these things so that they can tell clients like, we bought this thing and we have all this tech. And it's like... I mean, you do, but, like, if you don't know how to use it or it's not very good, you could have spent that money hiring really great influencers. Absolutely. And so, you know, even in that regard, in when it comes to tech, when it comes to influencers, you know, growing and evolving in this space, like, I always see all of this as opportunity, right? Yeah. We're in this space and there's so much white space. There's yep. so much opportunity. So, when you, from your perspective, what would you like to see change in this industry over the next five years? I'm going to put it at five years. Ooh, five years. I think that's hard. I'd like it to be more structured. And I think we're getting there. But I think people are starting to realize that influencers are on the same pathway as celebrities. And they need all the things celebrities need now. They, there are influencer legal agencies and accounting places because the way they make their money is different and their expenses are different. And so, you know, it's very exciting to be, and I'm sure you feel this way, like in an industry, like we're like influencer marketing where we're at now. It's almost like being there at the beginning of the Internet. Like, Absolutely. There are some people who just were there. You have like the PayPal mafia and like <laughs> they were the first people to do like money. And so they just, you know, all go off and like do other companies. And there's very small group of people who are in this space at the beginning. Like you have a whole company of like professionals that's an organization and there are plenty of organizations that exist. But like you have the first and the only Association for Women in Influencer Marketing. That's so cool. It's and like, cool that there's that white space and that yeah, opportunity. There was Absolutely. something for you to build and you built something. And like I have the first book that tells you how to like do this. Absolutely. Which is crazy because there wasn't already a book. So I think there's just there's so much opportunity just to figure out like what do influencers need, what do experts need. And I think the reason why we're having success is because we're looking to add value and we're not necessarily looking to make money. And of course, if you can make money, it's great. Everybody buy my book because I'll make some money, like two cents, but whatever. Royalties are royalties. <laughs> Where can they buy your book, by the way? <laughs> you can buy it everywhere. Amazon, everywhere. Target, Barnes & Noble. It's in Walmart. It's in, you know. It's really, really genuinely very good. I, I can vouch for it. No. Know your value, Brittany. It's great. <laughs> I mean, I you know, you write something and you think it's good. And, like, my husband thinks it's good. But I'm like, it's your job to like my stuff. And he's like, he's like I'm very honest with you. I was like, it's, I was like, that's true, but like you're biased. You have a bias. <laughs> but I think, you know, the future really is for people who are here to build stuff in this industry. And if you look at like 
Facebook, they didn't make any money for quite some time, but now you can't get around it and they're killing it. And so really there are very few people who can build. There are very few people who have any sort of vision and there are very few people who actually can do the steps to get to the next level. And I think for people like us, we're like the next five years are going to be like the best five years because there's room for us to like expand and like take over things and like push a lot of people out of the way who don't know what they're doing. And so, you know, we'll get your territory first and then you can make all the money because you're the only people in the territory. And so that's what I think, you know, I think we'll have like some sort of guild for influencers. I feel like that will come because they're on set like everybody else. They're doing all these things and they're not in SAG, you know, and you know, they need insurance. Where's like the insurance for like those sorts of things. And so I think, you know, even with athletes, they have like the coaches association and players association, like brands of all of this protection and influencers are just out here like floating in the wind. And so Structure, 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 even with like, you know, money and just with everything. Influencers need a lot of help. And so there's lots of ways to build things for them. And the first thing I tried to do was give them some sort of guidebook. And so that's like the beginning. But we're coming to a place where it'll be structured. You have to. It's a me- At the end of the day, this is a media buy, just like anything else, except the way the media gets created is different. I think we'll start to see more improvements when people stop acting like this is like, you know, some brand new thing and like nobody knows how to use it. It's like, you guys, <laughs> it's, it's, it's people taking photos and then we put money behind it. It's not that hard. And so, you know, once the newness wears off, which I think we probably have like five more years before it's like not a sparkly toy anymore, then we can see some structural changes which will be nice and which will give everybody better footing because this is all I know how to do now. I don't even know like what else I would do if influencer marketing goes away. I'm going to be like hungry because I don't even know like I don't even know what else to do with myself. This is like all I do. So, <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I can relate to that. I'm like this better not go anywhere. I know. Like well, what like what would we do? Like go do like traditional PR? Like oh god no. God no. <laughs> And so that's a really great segue to final thoughts. So, you know, I, I feel like female entrepreneurship, like that is such my, that's my jam. I feel like it's your jam. I feel like yeah. it's uh, it's a fantastic thing. So what do you wish that someone had told your younger self that would give you a professional or a personal advantage today? It would have changed my life dramatically, but... I should have tried to go work at Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I knew about Facebook in the very beginning. I had a really good friend who went to Brown, and she was like, Brittany, so this is when Just Ivies were on, which is 2004. And she was like, there's this thing, and it, you would love it. And I wrote an article in my school paper about, like, the Facebook.com and how, like, this is, like, the thing, and, like, you guys don't understand. This is, like, going to be the future. And I, like, wrote a petition to, like, get rockers on Facebook. And I, like, sent it to Mark Zuckerberg. And, like, I could have... He was still accessible. You were on the press I could have been, like, employee number 20 at Facebook. (laughs) And then I would be a bajillionaire right now. Like, all of those people got a lot of money. (laughs) And instead, I just played on it. And now I pay people to play on it. But I think I would have told myself, when you see opportunities... 
go all the way in. And I think I've started to do that. I didn't just like write a magazine article about how to be an influencer. No, I like wrote a full on book. And so I think if you see something, this is not the time to be shy and you will not be rewarded if you only like put your toe in the water. Like just dive just, right in. Yeah, dive right in and just make sure you surround yourself with a great support system so that like if you realize the water's a little too deep, you won't drown because somebody'll come pull you out. But you have to you have to jump because there's so many people willing to take big risks that if you don't take them, they will have all of the reward before you even get there. And then what's the point? I love that. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Yeah. Um, such great insights. Um, again, Brittany's book is available everywhere, you everywhere, said? Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Hardcover, paperback, ebook, Ooh. and audiobook. Wait, audiobook? I love yeah, audiobook. Yeah, and I read it. That, oh, I love that. It's so good. I love that so much. Well, how yeah. can they download your audiobook? It's on like Audible and like Amazing. all those. Amazing. Really, know? truly everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Amazing. It's literally everywhere. Amazing. It's in like Grand Central. Like you can go in there and get it. It's everywhere. That's such a moment. <laughs> That's such a moment. I'm so excited for you, Brittany. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in.